Hello and welcome to this week's episode of My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins. Apologies for my voice this week. I caught a bug and for days I've been sort of battling it. And so I've got this sort of uh, deep husky voice this week. I hope you don't mind. Each week I interview someone who has walked the Camino de Santiago or the Way of St. James. And the Camino is a series of pilgrimages across Europe, the pilgrim's destination, the majestic cathedral in the Spanish city of Santiago de Compostela in Galicia. Camino de Santiago translates to the Way of St. James. And the remains of Christ's apostle St. James are in a silver casket beneath the cathedral. Santiago is a place to celebrate your achievement. You may have walked the almost 800 kilometers along the Camino Frances, the most popular route. Or perhaps you walked the Camino Norte, the coastal route across the north of Spain. The pilgrim follows yellow arrows to find their way. If you're not careful, you can miss the signs and get lost. Indeed, I was lost on two occasions in 2017 when I walked my second Camino. And in one instance, I ended up walking an extra 12 kilometers. It took hours It was ridiculous. It was unnecessary. But I suppose following the signs is a metaphor for life. If you're not careful, you can miss the signs life is giving you and you can end up lost. Masuro Imoto in The Secret Life of Water, a book I read recently, wrote, If you feel lost, disappointed, hesitant or weak, return to yourself, to who you are, here and now. And when you get there... You'll discover yourself like a lotus flower in full bloom, even if a muddy pond, beautiful and strong. It's interesting, I think, we sometimes go on holidays or adventures to get lost, to find form or or peace in the losing of oneself. Yet most of the time we're frightened of getting lost, of not feeling secure in our surroundings. I suppose, in a sense, it's about trying to find yourself. Well, my guest this week is Jennifer Wills. And Jenny wrote to me this week via Facebook to say she enjoys listening to the podcast as the Camino has had a huge impact on her life. And there's a separate aspect to Jennifer's story that we'll get to later in the podcast. But first, let's hear about her journey, find out if she got lost. Hey, Jenny. (laughs) G'day, Dan. That's such a funny question because I am the queen of getting lost. Are you? (laughs) Oh yes. On the Camino, no on the direction. Camino or in life? Everywhere. <laughs> but I have no, I have a terrible sense of direction. I'm good at quite a few things, but direction is not one of them. So yes. When I first told my friends and family, I was, you know, this was going, we're going to walk the Camino and go overseas. Like they were just saying, we'll never see her again. <laughs> but, um, no, I managed to do not too bad. Got, T- you know. Tell us about your Camino. Oh, but Dan, I don't know where, where you want me to start. Um, well, well, let me, let me ask you very simply because I've got about 40 questions here and I'll take you through the whole thing. <laughs> but let me ask you then, where, yeah. where did you start and where did, and where did you finish and how long did it take you? Let's start with the, the facts and figures. Okay. So, so we started from St. John, um, the Pyrenees and fi- I finished at, um, at San Diego, but my daughter kept walking to Finisterre. Did you get? I, I took the I took the bus. <laughs> <laughs> did you get lost? Oh, I got lost many times. Yeah, I did. Um, and some of those moments were beautiful moments, and some of them were not so great. <laughs> uh, 
Um, but yeah, certainly got lost quite a lot, uh, both physically and I would say I was pretty lost, um, mentally and spiritually as well. So if we, you know, if we think of that met- metaphorically, I think everybody who walks the Camino is trying to get back on track for something. Did you find yourself? Oh, absolutely. You know, still looking. It's not just like, when, <laughs> I think that's one of my messages. It's not a magic, like you don't just walk the Camino and then everything in your life's fixed forever. Does that does happen? But, uh, yeah, I, I can easily say that the Camino saved my life and saved my daughter's life. Um, and certainly helped us find ourselves in a way forward to the mess we were in. That's the separate aspect of your Camino that I was talking about in the intro, your daughter's journey. Yeah. And I want to, I want to get to that eventually. But first, I want to yeah. say, do you remember what your original motivation was for walking? It's really all tied together, Dan. So I'm, I'm probably not going to be, uh, I don't know if I can answer your questions, um, in the order that you want to ask sure, them because sure. it's sort of all t- tied up in the one. I didn't know anything about the Camino. Um, we were in the middle of, some really, you know, terrible family tragedies and, uh, was, I remember walk, and I'd never heard of the Camino and I was in Brisbane and I was just walking really, really, I think the lowest I've ever been. I didn't have a will to go on and I'm a very strong person. Um, and you know, I've been a school principal and, you know, I'm used to being strong and taking responsibilities and, you know, getting through anything, but I was at the lowest of low points in my life and I really seriously was just, oh gosh, you know, I don't know how this can continue. Um, and for some reason I just walked past a bookshop and straight uh, up the stairs to a book on the Camino, which I'd never heard of. It was like that book was saying, get in here, woman, and <laughs> buy me. Um, and that's what I did and I bought the book and I took it home and I read it and it was like, wow, this is the answer. We need to do this. Um, and I'd really never heard of the Camino, so it is all sort of tied in together. So so you're walking along the street in Brisbane, if those listeners yep. uh, from overseas um, are wondering, Brisbane is the capital of the state of Queensland. It's a big city, big cosmopolitan centre. So you're walking through the and something just, you just turned? Yep into the bookshop and walked up the stairs? Absolutely. absolutely. No, what? Yeah, yeah, I know. And that is like, that's it's just still to this day I tell people that and they go, what? No, she must have, you know. But that is exactly how it happened. I was in a fog. Like I really wasn't, I hadn't even, I wasn't even eating. I was just such a mess and I was just wandering totally lost. And yeah, it was like this magnet sucked me into that bookshop and up I went. All right. And from then on, I've got so many stories like that along the Camino that it's just freaky. Fantastic. Um, Okay. Well, well, I'm going to, I'm just going to tear up my script now. All right. (laughs) So what was it? Sorry. Do you mind um, telling us what was it about your relationship with your daughter? um, And what was it that had you in this fog on that day that you found the book? Um. I'll, I'll do the synopsis. So, um, my daughter is an absolutely beautiful being. She's an artist. She's very, very sensitive, beautiful girl, um, internally and externally. And, uh, from the moment she struck her teenage years, she started to get severe anxiety and depression. And, um, she'd always been a really shy kid, like ultra shy. Uh, but when, I don't know what happened, you know, in the teenage years, all the pressures they're under and she, yeah, she sucked really depression and mental health issues and um 
Uh, yeah, it was, you know, you don't, you don't, no one wants to see anyone go through that, that horrid, horrid, you know, it's like you can't, if you often would say in those days, you know, if I had a broken leg, somebody would understand, yeah. you know, and you'd get attention, but mental health is invisible and you can only try to hope you can understand what they're going through, but you never will unless you're going through it yourself. Um, so she, yeah, she did several of her late years, um, really struggling, um, We'd been a very close family, so it's only my sister and her kids and myself and my kids and my mum and dad, and we'd always lived very close together. My mum and dad looked after all the grandkids while my sister and I had careers and um, very, very close family. So my mum and dad were like my kids, all our kids, sort of other parents. So, you know, it was just very close. And so then about, I think we were 20, 2010, um, Tash was still really, really struggling um, making some poor choices with alcohol and trying to self-medicate and several doctors with every doctor you go to is a different diagnosis and, um, yeah, just trying to find some peace for herself because it's an awful, awful struggle. Um, and then my mum and dad got really sick. So then in 2010, mum got rapid onset dementia. So she just went from being a really fit, vibrant person to very quickly um, dismantling her mind. Um, it was just horrific. And um, it wasn't a form of dementia like some people get where they just sort of sit and wait for the bus to take them to work very peaceful. It was – she was very agitated and um, terrified and calling out and just didn't sleep and uh, it was – and you could see her. Then, she, you know, she just then started to physically – um, go downhill as well. It was really quick and um, n- none of the family knew how to deal with it. Yeah, so Dad passed away at the end of 2011 in December and Mum passed away in February, so uh, 2012. So it was like two and a half months between them. We lost them both, yeah. It was um, all at the same time. So we were dealing with uh, my mum, my dad and Tash and I'm trying to lead the family through this. I'm the oldest. And, um, yeah, all the family... We'd never had to deal with grief before either, and we lost both our parents in two years. So within two years, they were both dead, and they were only early 70s. They weren't old, and they were, you know, we didn't expect that to happen. Um, and my sister, you know, the rest of the family didn't know how to cope with it either. Grief strikes everybody in different ways, so that everybody fell apart. It was just the biggest mess. And being the oldest and, you know, usually the one who tries to be the fixer, you know, I just couldn't fix any of it, and it was really. My daughter had a. Um, she, I'm sure she won't mind me saying, but um, a suicide attempt in the middle of that as well. Um, so I was at work one day, and I just got the call from the hospital, and it was like, oh my god. Um, yeah. So all within a few years. Um, and that's when I was, you know, I just sort of buried both my parents um, at the beginning of 2012, and that's when I was walking Brisbane in an absolute daze, not knowing, you know, I, I couldn't fix anything and I couldn't control everything and I couldn't make it better. Um, and I was just an absolute, I was at my wit's end when that bookshop in and <laughs> showed me what the Camino is. So that's my story. That's the story in, in brief. Um, Holy smokes. You know, so, so, okay, so let's talk about a timeline then, Jenny, because 2012, you walk into the bookshop. So when did you actually walk the Camino? 2013. So it took a year. 
um, to actually make the decision, talk Tash into it, because I could see that I had to get her out of where she was. I thought this will at least be a circuit breaker of getting her away from um, the the spiral, the downhill spiral she was in, because you know she was just not handling Lucy on top of her own personal issues, and um, so I could see it as well. I don't know if this is going to fix us, but at least they'll take us um, away from all this for a little bit, you know. So mm. it took what, us a year. Yeah, but what was it about the Camino, Jenny, that made you think, oh, this is this could be something that could help yeah. my daughter? Because it's not, you know, you, you look at the Camino, yeah. you look at the book, the book is a guidebook, I'm, I'm assuming, or it was a, a spiritual guidebook, but what made, it th- what made you think, this is what I need for, for, for Tash? I guess I was desperate, Dan. I, I really had tried everything, uh, medical help, um, you know, alternative help, every help possible. And this just seemed to me like it might might be an answer because I then I started to do, you know, being a teacher, I'm a little bit overly organised. And then I started to read lots of books. I started to research it and I saw, you know, heard lots of amazing stories as well and, and so the more I heard all that, I thought, no, this has been put in front of me for a reason. This is, you know, this is, we've got to do this. So it took me ages to convince, I oh know, it took me ages to convince her, let me tell you. I was convinced, but um, she was still not in the headspace to really go, oh, yes, that sounds like a great idea. <laughs> and you mean with you, Mum, I'm going with you. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so just take me through that you're in the street, you walk upstairs, you've you see the book, you pick it up. Was it that night that you read it? Was it days? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, it was that night. I know. I just could not ex- explain why I was so drawn straight to that book. So yeah, no. that is extraordinary. And I was, yeah, and I was desperate for help, Dan. I was really desperate. So I would have taken any, like just about anything. Yeah, yeah, so this yeah. was. Um, I felt like, wow, maybe this is the lifeline that I'm, you know, been searching for. Oh my God! You know, uh, this is the, you. You are my seventy sixth. Interview, I think, podcast. <laughs> and, 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 and there are, everybody says, Oh, I sort of heard this calling or something was calling. Yeah. That's the yeah. best calling story I've heard in 75, <laughs> in a year and a half, I can tell you. So, so let's, well. let's talk about taking Tash to Spain. Yep. So you now yep. say, Hey, listen, I've got this idea. Yeah. How did you convince yeah. her? Well, uh, there's there's more more um, yeah there's more tragedy comes before this so she'd been as I said before to drinking and then you know making bad choices of friends and her, you know she had no self esteem even though she's an amazing young person she just the self criticism that you do when you've got a mental illness you know finding fault constantly in yourself and thinking you're worthless and um, so trying to convince her that it was something you know well she didn't have any money so it's like well. I'm going to just shout you to Spain. And that, you know, it's like, I don't, I'm not worth that. And, you know, all, all that convincing. So then anyway, after, um, quite a few months of working on her, I think she, she came to see, well, maybe it is a lifeline as well. Maybe it's going to work for her. And, and a really sad part of this story, another sad part is, um, one of the friends that she'd been hanging around with, his name was Jacob, and so she she pulled away in the last two months to start. She started to train with me to do some walking and um, stop drinking and moved in with me, and I really started to get 
us to try to get healthy before we left. And, um, yeah, this, this really sad evening, Jacob, who was a, rang her, um, to come and her party and she said, no, I can't do it. I'm, you know, I'm trying not to drink. And yeah, and he, he actually took his own life that very evening. So she then, of course, spiraled again and, uh, I, I didn't, and at that stage I'd booked the flights and I, and I really had just, it wasn't until we got her on the plane that I actually believed whatever happened. Um, yes, so she was just a mess. And the, and the interest, one of the beautiful things is, as you know, another, um, Jacob, uh, James, the way St. James can also be Jacob. And so a, a lot of times on the way we would see the word Jacob or the way of Jacob. And so that was really beautiful. That was really good for her too. So she sort of, felt she was walking for herself but she was also walking for Jacob um, and it took her a long time to really um, find a place where she realized that was not her fault you know she 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 was not responsible for that how old was um, she at this stage Jane she was um, probably 28 oh. yeah yeah so oh. it'd been a long time we'd had like 10 12 years of really tough years with her. You know, I, I, I can hear in your voice you're a very caring and sharing person. Uh, I, this, this question is not in my script. How on earth do you cope with 10 or 12 years of that kind of battling to be the mother you want to be for a daughter Look, who possibly or potentially doesn't want to be mothered by a caring, sharing yes. person? Yeah, no, she certainly did not want to be that. I can tell you that she wants to be fiercely independent and well. You know, she, she, that's that's who but she is. But she's not well. The, the, well, she yes, at the time she was certainly not well, and so that was a constant tap dance. And yeah, and any mother who's listening to this, or father, or carer who knows what this is like, will know that you. It's a real battle between. Um, enabling someone's illness and trying to help them and whether you, you know, you tap dance between do I predict that that's going to happen? Do I let them fall so they can stand up themselves? You know, like it's, it, 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 look, it's just love, Dan. Anyone who loves somebody would do it for somebody they love and lots of people do it for total strangers as well. You know, that's what we are as human beings. We, we just, and I think the other thing is that we all have, uh, a big bank of inner strength that we don't know we have, you know, for sure. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, some more than others, Jenny Willis. Um, Willis, I'm telling you, some more than others. Now, listen. Okay, let's talk now about the Camino de Santiago. So you yep. arrive in in Saint Jean Pied de Port, and you're about to yep. walk 799 yep. kilometers. Yes. How is how is Natasha at the beginning of this? She was good at the beginning. John, St. John, she was really good. We were excited. Um, I don't, would not have made the Pyrenees without her. Um, I, like I am, I should have said this. You can't actually see me, but you, I am not an athlete. <laughs> I am. Um, at the time, I would think I was 54 when I walked. Um, I was, you know, overweight, unfit. I was not, I'm not a fit person. Like I haven't been a fitness fanatic. Um, and so yeah, she got me over the Pyrenees and like, I think we only got to the edge of St. John and she was like, mum, put that pack down. Okay. Pull everything out. Now, what have you got that in there for? What have you got that in there for? <laughs> and she, you know, took half my things out of the pack and they just happened to be a hostel right there. So we, she took them up and put them on the, 
uh, door of the hostel, but which was very wise. I had ridiculous things I didn't need. Um, yeah, no, so she was really good. Um, but uh, in saying that, then as the journey went on, uh, <laughs> well, no, red wine is free practically in Spain. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> you know, and you get a pilgrim's menu and here's how many crafts of red wine do you want? And if you want to say, oh, no, I'll have water, well, that'll be another three euros, please. Like <laughs> the wine flows thick and fast. So um, that turned out to be problematic. So that was another challenge. And, and, and in hindsight, at the time, I thought, oh, my God, what have we got ourselves into? This is going to be such a disaster. And it was for a long while, let me tell you. There was a lot of ups and downs. But in the long term... If you hadn't had to face those choices along the Camino either, like if it had been a journey with no alcohol, that would have been a fantasy land, you know, where getting out the other end wouldn't have mattered anyway. So, so I think it was a good thing, but yeah, so we had our very ups and downs. She, she's, she was quite fit and, and younger, obviously. So she was a, I say she was a gazelle and I was a sloth. So we mostly didn't walk together. Um, and she was, Glad to get rid of me, I think, <laughs> lots of times. Um, so she went on ahead, but she would always just check in. You know, we at those days, we didn't actually have much internet and we had a little old phone each where we just checked in on um, Facebook, I think, where we were. Sometimes she didn't do that, so sometimes I think she just didn't want to, you know. She was she was, she was was walking her own battle. Um, so it was an up and down Camino. I can't say, gee whiz, that was such a amazing you know, just solved everything instantly. It did not. It was a lot of hard work walking, but also a lot of amazing, amazing, amazing moments. And, and I, I sort of think um, this is the metaphor I use. It's like um, that's it, always been in my head. If you can imagine all your worries and problems and things you're trying to, to walk through as a great big giant ball of string inside you, you know, you sort of nail that piece of string down at the start of the Camino and you just keep walking and it unravels for you and you sort of leave that all along the trail. And when you finish, you might still have a, you know, a ball of string inside you. It might be bigger, it might be smaller, it might be, you know, tiny now. But that's sort of how I see it and I think that's what it did for Tash and I. It, it, um, you're all that time in your head so you, you, you've got to face stuff. And we didn't have, um, as I said, there was no headphones or internet or, you know, there was nothing like that. It was just in your head. And that's a uh, when you're not when you said earlier at the start, if you feel lost, the quote you said, if you feel lost, to return to yourself. And I think that's what the Camino does when you unplug. Certainly, I don't know what it's like as much these days, but you are forced to return to yourself. You're absolutely forced to go inside your head and process everything. You know, I've probably gone off track. Then <laughs> I'm sitting here crying. Thank you. But I mean, it's just true. It's just how it was. And I think if I had to, I'm probably preempting some of your questions, but the message Tash said to me was the Camino didn't fix it, but it gave her time out to get away from it, to just walk. She said it's cheaper than therapy, walking. (laughs) And to get back to yourself and to get away from what other people are thinking about you and how you think you should be for other people and Really, all those battles around self-worth and who you, whether you're worth it, and try to just find who you are and, and get that. You're that's right. You're absolutely worth it, and to have that time out, space 
where you can see there's alternatives, there's a future, there's hope. You know, you don't have to be in that same space you're in. Um, and walking for however many days it takes you. It did take us 47 days, by the way, Dan. Um, we did a lot of stopping. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's a lot of days to walk. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think um, for anyone with mental health issues or, or problems to get lost so you can return to yourself is a really good – I like the way you started, Dan. Yeah. Are you, are you a spiritual person? And, and that's the first aspect of the question. The second aspect of the question is the book that you picked up, did it, yeah. did it give you an insight into what, or was it just simply a guidebook? This is, you know, you, you need to get these shoes and this is where you'll sleep. Or did it give you some insight into what spiritually you may encounter ahead? Yeah, no, it definitely did. It was Walking the Camino by Tony Kevin. It's, it was actually about the Via de Plata. Um, but yes, it's certainly, he was a bureaucrat who, um, a sedentary, overweight bureaucrat, he would say, uh, who, you know, took this, took the walk to find himself and to find a deeper meaning in life. And so, right. yeah, definitely, definitely helped. Look, I was brought up a Catholic. Um, I struggled with my faith for many years, um, with the, you know, the church itself and the, and the male patriarchy of the church. And I, I, walking the Camino was very good for me. It took me back to a spirituality of my own that I believe, you know, um, and I believe that whether it's Jesus or Buddha or whoever it is, um, Muhammad, it's, it's love. It's all about love and it's just different narratives around love. Um, I think love is the power of the universe and so that's what I've tried to plug into and, and develop when I walked. Well, you know, you talked about your family and your parents um, being there to raise. You, you, yeah. You're kind of talking about a nuclear family in, in many respects. How, yeah. how did you and your daughter uh, uh, interact with other pilgrims? Because uh, you were you were on a very insular path, the pair of you together. Um, yeah. Did, did you encompass other pilgrims and 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 encourage? Yeah. Yeah, was it? Were you part of a Camino family? Uh, by the end, absolutely. Mm. Um, and I've still got some wonderful, wonderful friends, um, a couple in Western Australia and in Canada, um, who are very. Yeah, we're mm. still. I've been to Canada, and they've been over here, and I'm going oh, fantastic. back again. Yeah, no, friends for life. You, as you know, you can't yeah. escape that. I and love and they were part of. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And um, they were part of my story and Tasha's story, so they're they're our our friends. And even though we came in and out of um, each other, but yeah, certainly a Camino family. In fact, my journey went. Um, I think I, I'll just tell you another couple of very interesting things. Of course. Um, um, so we started out together, and we didn't meet. You know, when you're at that first night at Orison, you, you sit down with that dinner, and the people we met there are people who are still, you know, the part of the Camino family, which is amazing. Um, but yeah, the walk sort of went from there and then we started to probably Pamplona. She started to have an, enjoy a little wine or two and I was like, you know, like, this is not how it's supposed to be going down. We're supposed to be, you know, walking and having a wonderful time. But, uh, so we sort of parted ways there a little bit and I remember getting to Estella, the stay. I'm not sure how you say it. Not long after Pamplona and I was, um, yeah, a mess again. I was like, what am I doing? This is ridiculous. This is not going to work. And I just remember roaming around the town itself and, um, I heard this violin playing and, um, 
it was it was Brahms lullaby that my mum used to sing to me. Um, as Lisa sing to my sister and I as we were little and um, I was just I couldn't believe it. I thought that's that's mum, you know, it was so beautiful. And I walked over to stand and I sat under the window and I just sat there and I cried and cried listening to it. It was so beautiful. And then as I walked away there was a cathedral right near and as I went to walk up the stairs, written in the cement was the was the two letters P A par and that's what everyone called my dad. Um and so within that little tiny space of time and, and, you know, I had the beautiful violin music from my mum and then, you know, just par on that. I'm like, why on earth? I've still got a photo of it. I found it a few weeks ago. Why would somebody put par in the cement? But anyway, to me, it was just like my mum and dad saying, keep walking, everything will be all right. You're doing the right thing, you know. Um, so, yeah, and there was a, quite a few little amazing little synchronicities like that. that and I'm not an early, you know, um, new agey kind of person that – Looks that sort of thing. I, it's just when it pokes your eyes out, you can't miss it, you know. <laughs> but what about <laughs> when it pokes your, pokes your eyes out, you can't miss it. But hang on, what about now? What about now in 2018? Okay, you're a few years now. Are you a bit new agey now? <laughs> yeah, I definitely am. I'm definitely the older I get, the more I realise um, the spirituality that's all around us. And, and I'm a big believer in that. Our ancestors, all you know, whether it's our, our direct lineage of our ancestors, but people who've come before. Um, this is there's more to life than just the way the busy, crazy way Western people are living their lives. You know, it's, it's much deeper than that. Life is meant to be much deeper than that. You know, for my listeners, you just heard Jennifer say there, life is more deeper than that. When we, when I con- first put the call through to Jennifer, she said, you know, I just finished work, Dan, and I was walking out the door and, <laughs> and Julie, who I work with said, oh, what are you doing this evening? And Jennifer said, well, I'm doing a, an interview about my Camino. And, and Julie said, oh, with Dan Mullins. And it was Julie Doherty, who I lived across the road from as a boy. Now that's, that's yeah. gone back 50 yeah. years. We want, um, that is the most extraordinary coincidence. Yep. Our worlds yep. are colliding here on an absolutely astro- on an astronomical level. But there are yep. people listening, yep. and, and and I'm certain they're listening right now, who want me to ask you obvious questions because you said you weren't a fitness yep. person, you weren't somebody, you weren't you didn't particularly do any training. <laughs> How did you cope with the challenge of the actual walking? Oh. Look, again, you just don't know how strong you are. I think you you just put one foot in front of the other and you keep going at, yeah. at my own pace. That was one thing that I just, like, I learned very early. I learned a couple of things very early. One, the first day I didn't have breakfast, I didn't have enough water, so I learned straight away. And I nearly, well, I did actually collapse just before Orison, thank gosh, Tash was with me. But I learned, oh, maybe I need to eat breakfast. <laughs> maybe I should bring a fair bit of water with me um, on the first day. So that was a good lesson. Um so you learn, look, you just learn as you go. I, I, I you know, it's, I, the ideal is, okay, train hard, get fit, learn everything so that when you hit the Camino, it's easier for you and you enjoy it more. Okay. If you can do that, hats off to you, go for it. <laughs> but if you can't, don't let that stop you. That's my advice. What did you find um, most rewarding? Oh, golly. Um, yeah, that's a really hard one. I guess 
there's three parts to it. So, so definitely the most rewarding is how I saw Tash come out the end, yeah, obviously. Sure. sure. That's, that was really great. And, and myself, um, how I came out the end too. Um, cause that's what I was sort of going to say to you as well. The community just provides when you're at your lowest and when you need it. And, um, so at the, at like with about two or three weeks to go, I was really at a low point as well. And I'd sort of, cause I was so slow, I'd missed a lot of my people I'd started with, but, Somehow I met up with them all again and we walked together for those last three weeks when just when I needed it because I was at the stage where I think I'm going to quit. I can't think I can keep going. And there, then all my friends that I'd met along the way turned up and we walked into San Diego together. So that was really beautiful. Um, and there are so many examples on the, that I could give if we had, could talk all night, um, about low points that I had that the Camino just provided what I needed when I needed it. Um, so I think you've just got to have that faith that just just go, just walk it. It'll be okay. <laughs> and what, the Camino does provide. What's a, well, what surprised you most then about walking the Camino? Oh, that I could do it. <laughs> yeah. That was certainly, like I, as I said, I was 54 or something, not fit, and I did it. I did the whole 800 Ks. Um, I'm very surprised that I did it. I'm surprised at uh everything about the community and it's it's really interesting for me too because i feel like it's a it's you sort of get sucked into this alternative universe that's um it's like a time walk because it's <laughs> nothing like your normal life and 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 you have to get your head around all the paradoxes that go with that you know like i feel in proportion to the pain then your pleasure is proportionate to the pain because when you push through that pain and then it looks like you're exhilarated um so that's a paradox the, the paradox of needing solitude but also the camaraderie of your of friends um um that, that that it's very simple you're just putting one foot in front of the other but it's also extremely complex where everything that goes in your head that you're trying to work through um, it's just a series of paradoxes that in your it's physical but it's also mostly mental um, so you, you, it seems so simple, but it's actually very complex. You know, um, I, 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 how do you describe the Camino to, to, now I've written here family and friends, but obviously family and friends know of your Camino journey. Okay. Yep. L- let's talk about somebody at work and you say, I've done the Camino. How do you explain <laughs> it to them? How do you explain it? Give me your elevator pitch. Your cup, uh, you, you know, how do you explain it to them? Ah, look, and it, I don't know. That's such a hard question because I, I remember anyone I walked with on the Camino that would say, if one more friend at home says to me, how hey, are you enjoying your holiday? I'll walk. a holiday. So how do you explain to somebody that you're going away to do this beautiful walk in Spain, but it's actually not a holiday? Um, it'll be pleasurable. It'll be painful. It'll be everything Everything that's opposite of each other, that's what it will be. Um, but it will not be your normal, be an alternative universe for however long it takes for you to do it and, uh, yeah, go experience it. That's, that's all I could say because everyone has to do it. You can't explain it to people who haven't done it. You know, um, when I, I sometimes talk indeed last week, I talked about meeting Wayne, my, my guest last week, Wayne, and, and when I met him, he had a little kind of Camino glow. And my beautiful wife, yeah. my beautiful wife Jennifer and I went to, to see Bill Bennett's movie the couple of days after I'd got home and everyone said, Oh my God, Dan, you've got the Camino glow. 
And I said, <laughs> I, I said, oh, you know, well, really? I did, what sort of, can I ask you, do yeah. you keep that kind of little bit of glow? Do you keep that little bit of that glow in your heart? Now you do for a while. I feel like it's been, what has it been now? Five years for me. So it's time to go back. I'm going back next year. So that's another story. Right. But it, it, you, yeah, you, you keep it, you keep it, um, cerebrally, like you know it, but you lose the feeling of it. Would that be right? Yeah, that's, sure. That's probably what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Sure. But, so, but, but, but the, what I want to say to you then, Jenny, is one of the things about your Camino was the transformation of Tash, Natasha. Yeah. So, so you can look at it in another way. You have a yeah. very real Camino glow, don't you? Yeah. For oh, look, absolutely. And yeah. and I probably want to just say also, because um, there probably be people maybe listening who know Tash, but um, as I said, it, it wasn't an instant transformation, and it took a bit of time when she came back. But um, Today, right now, she's, she's a mental health carer. She's, um, got her own place, her own car. She's helping other people. And so it, it, out of all that pain, we actually get blessings. And I think that's another great Camino lesson is that, yeah, you, for all the pain, you will get a lot of pleasure, but you'll also get a lot of blessings that you take away. So she's had a really tough life. So, so she's now helping others who are going through the same journey she's been through. Um, and she understands it and, and she'll often come home and say, Oh, you know, mum, we had a staff meeting today and some, some of the other pe- the staff people, you know, they just see the condition. They don't see the person. Um, and so she, she sees her, the, her, the people she works with, um, as human beings, not the diagnosis, you know. Um, and, and so she's now giving back to, to people who, you know, she's back, she's come full circle and, and I, that just makes me glow. If you want to talk about a Camino glow, that's my glow. It's like, wow, that's really amazing. Does she call so, herself, you know, it's just, yeah, does she call herself a pilgrim? Um, yeah, I'd say to herself she would in her heart, mm. yes, for sure. She's, she's very spiritual and very wise and, um, yeah, it's just so lovely to see her come out the other end when we, you know, it's lots of times we didn't think she was going to come out the other end at all. So, and now to be given. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a really good story. It's a great it is, ending. It is a great story. And when you reached out to me to tell your story, it was an offer. Uh, you, yeah. You wanted to share your story so others could potentially travel the same yeah. path. And there's Absolutely. a, and that's a very generous thing to do. And, and Jennifer, you know, you sound to me, a caring and sharing person. Um, your daughter's unraveling. Nat- Natasha's unraveling had a massive impact on you, and then you had that catastrophic yeah. family impacts on you. Yeah. Now, right. Yeah. Now, yeah. now, now, how are you today, Pilgrim? <laughs> Thank you. That's a lovely question. Um, I'm I'm really well. You know, anyone who's a parent knows when your kids are well, you're well. <laughs> if your kids are not well. You know, you can't sleep at night. So, uh, my kids are doing well. Um, I'm turned 60 in January. Um, and I'm take, I'm just like last week. I'm so excited and granted leave without pay for a year. So I'm going to go walk for a year. What? I'm so excited. I know. Really? <laughs> yeah. On my own. Just be me. Tash might join me if she can at some point. Um, but yeah, so I'm going to do a few Caminos and I'm hoping to also do some pilgrimages in Ireland. As well, because I'm of ancestry, my Irish ancestry, so I'm very keen to do that. Yeah, so big, big, 
big, big, exciting, I don't know, and I'm terrified as well, so 2019, good. big good. year of walking for me. Being terrified is good. <laughs> what would you say uh, to somebody listening right now who's yeah. thinking of walking the Camino? Oh, as I said, just do it. Just go. Um, you'll hear a lot of advice or you have to be fit, you have to be prepared, you have to do all that. And that's great. I mean, make your experience for some more pleasant, but you get the blessings from the pain. You get the blessings and the pleasure from the unraveling and the, and the, and the tough times you go through that brings with it the lessons and the blessings is what I think. And it's, as I keep saying, it's nothing like anything they will ever experience. And I'm not really trying to be judgmental, but I would encourage people to unplug. Don't have, you know, music and books or whatever in your ear. Don't be on Facebook every night. I know that sounds really judgmental, but if you want to get the full, I don't know, the full benefit from walking, you really have to detach from all that and try to, to walk into that headspace that you need to be in. You have to do, walk through those hard yards, otherwise, um, the exhilaration and the, and the blessings and the pleasure won't come. That's my advice. You are, <laughs> you are absolutely fantastic. <laughs> you are fantastic. Oh, Dan, you're pretty fantastic yourself. I that, can't wait to hear your song. Tell us what's happening with your song. It's coming out world, it's coming out worldwide July 26th, but oh. this is not about me. This is about you because <laughs> you reached out to me and you, you said, I want to tell a story. And I don't mind telling my listeners that initially you said, oh, I don't want my name. Can I be anonymous? Don't want my daughter's yeah. story told. Uh, I don't want my daughter's name and everything. Yeah. And I, you know, and then in the days after you said, actually, you know what? My daughter's happy for her story to be told. We are happy yeah. to tell our story and be identified. <laughs> and you know what? That takes, that takes real bravery and, no, and real you. courage. Not only real courage to tell your story, but, Jenna, real courage to have lived it. Oh, honestly, you. honestly, go yeah, in 2019. I, we, we're all going to be watching your Camino next year, a year of walking. Ah. Holy smokes. You're going to have like thousands of people watching you. Thank no, you. No, well, I just hope somebody gets some benefit from that story. If anyone's a parent or got a friend who's really struggling with mental health or addictions or anything, take some time out, get on the Camino. I once was lost, but now I'm found. <laughs> was blind, but now I see. Thanks, Jenny. <laughs> thanks lovely. so much, Dan. All the and best. Thanks for all the, thank you and for all the work you do. Buen Camino. My pleasure. Yeah, Buen Camino to you too. Thank you. Bye-bye. My guest this week, Jennifer Wills. We might get lost, but we'll always be found if we're willing to open ourselves to discovery. Masuro Imoto in The Secret Life of Water wrote, If you feel lost, disappointed, hesitant or weak, return to yourself, to who you are, here and now. And when you get there, you'll discover yourself like a lotus flower in full bloom, even in a muddy pond, Beautiful and strong. Just a gentle reminder, the song I wrote on the Camino somewhere along the way, the Camino song is available worldwide on July 26th. Thank you for your company as always. I'm Dan Mullins. Until next week, Buen Camino.